1: Hello and welcome to this Outchanging World podcast from RNZ National, presented by Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. It's that time of the year again, garden bird survey time. Around the country for the next week, bird enthusiasts will be sitting in their gardens for an hour, taking tally of their avian neighbours. It's the garden bird survey's 10th birthday. So what has it found out in that time? Alison is on the trail. It's the middle of winter, which means one thing. It's garden bird survey time, and like thousands of New Zealanders, I've decided to spend an hour sitting in my garden, counting birds. So I'm off to a great flying start. Excuse the bad bird pun. I've got a tui singing in a nearby Pohutukawa, and there's another tui squirrelling around in the same tree. A couple of starlings have just shot past on the breeze, and there's quite the flock of sparrows hanging out in that nio. And that bird sitting on the power line is a chaffinch. So that's a great start. This is the 10th year of the Garden Bird Survey, and to find out a bit more about what other people have been seeing in their gardens over the last nine years, let's check in with Eric Spur.
2: Well, we started the survey in 2007 um, because I was concerned that at the time, New Zealand had no measure of trends in our bird populations, especially our currently more common species, such as tui, bellbird and keriru.
1: And so you decided to do this by enlisting citizen scientists, really, people who were willing to put up an hour of their time.
2: Yes, well, I thought that um, if we tried to survey the whole country's sort of forests as well, then we wouldn't get so many volunteers. So I um, copied uh, the British big backyard bird count and um, we did it in gardens where people didn't have to leave home to participate
1: And how many volunteers did you get back in that first year and how many have you got now helping out each year?
2: Well the first year we got uh, just over 2,000 which was wonderful and it's now built up to about 4,000 and we'd certainly like it to increase a lot more The more people we can get participating the more accurate the results will be
1: so, what kind of results have you been getting? What are the most common
2: birds? Well, the most numerous species in our gardens by far is the house sparrow. And that's probably no surprise, but this is the first time that that's been demonstrated. Uh, silver eye is the second most numerous. The house sparrows are in about 10 per garden on average, and the silver eye about seven. And blackbird and starling sort of vie for third and fourth spot. In, in terms of abundance, and they are usually about two or three per garden.
1: Now, you mentioned TUI earlier, so where do they come in on the countdown?
2: TUI and Minor vie for fifth and sixth spot, depends whereabouts in the country you are. Although um, house sparrow was most abundant overall nationally, uh, and it would be the most abundant you'd have in Wellington. Um, It's only second most abundant in Canterbury, Otago and Southland. In those um, southern regions, the silver eye is the most abundant species.
1: Are you seeing any other clear differences between regions and areas like that?
2: Well, um, we mentioned minor, and that's one of the ones that occurs only in the North Island. And it's fifth or sixth in terms of nationally adjusted abundance, but it's the third most abundant in Northland and Auckland. Tui, which uh, also vies with minor for fifth or sixth nationally, uh, it's fourth in Auckland, but doesn't occur at all in the top ten in Canterbury.
1: So we've mentioned house sparrow, silver-eye, starling, blackbird, Tui minor. What else comes into the top ten
2: then? Um, well, the other species that come into the top ten are birds like song thrush, chaffinch, greenfinch. Fantile actually ranks at about number seven behind the Tui. Occasionally, goldfinch comes in to the top 10 as well. The top 10, there's about seven introduced species and only three native species.
1: What's the most unusual bird you've ever had in the survey, Eric?
2: Well, there's been some surprising, um, unusual species, if you like. Perhaps one of the rarest has been hee-hee, or stitchbird. Very rare, and mostly just in um, predator-proof areas, but... There's been one recorded in a garden in Wellington, which which has flown out of the uh, Zelandia reserve, and also one recorded in a garden in the Waitakere uh, city area of Auckland, that was um, a banded bird that had flown about two kilometres from the Ark in the Park where it was released.
1: Are you starting to get a few kaka records coming in from central Wellington Gardens too, which are also spilling out from the Zelandia Sanctuary?
2: Yes, uh, we're definitely getting kaka records. It's a little bit early yet to to determine whether they're increasing. I I think they probably are increasing, but it's something which we hope to pick up over the years. Kaka are also found in in a few other places, like the Coromandel, uh, where they come to uh, sugar water feeders in people's backyards and of course on Stuart Island I've had contributors from Stuart Island who have kaka come and feed on uh, they feed them fruits and raisins and so on in their backyard there.
1: Now you mentioned sugar water f- feeders there and I know that people put those out for chewies and bellbirds people also put out grain and bread and stuff for other kinds of birds does it make a difference in the results whether people are feeding the birds in their garden or not?
2: Uh, makes a huge difference, especially for house sparrow and silver eye. There's probably um, two to three times more house sparrow and silver eye in gardens where people feed birds than in gardens where they don't. House sparrows, of course, are attracted to bread and seeds, and the silver eyes are attracted to fruit and sugar water. Right, and I remember
1: another study that a PhD student in Auckland has been doing where she found that in those gardens where people were feeding, you were getting more introduced birds and that the shy little natives like the grey warblers were actually less abundant. Are you seeing trends like that?
2: The very early discovery we made was that uh, while most species are more common in gardens where people put out food for birds, there are a few that are are less common and fantail and grey warbler were two of them. I expected there would be equal numbers In gardens with and without food because they're insectivorous species and they don't, they're not attracted to food, but they're not, you wouldn't think they'd be repelled by food. What I wonder that is happening is that because we get large numbers, especially of silver eyes in some of these gardens, the silver eyes are are cleaning up all the insects and and not leaving any for the the fantails and grey warblers to feed on, so they are avoiding those gardens.
1: Now, what about differences between urban and rural gardens? Are you seeing differences there?
2: Definitely, um, not such a big difference as between gardens with and without food, but the generally rural gardens have uh, more birds of most species than urban gardens, and I I wonder if the reason for that is that the that, that rural gardens are perhaps larger and more diverse in vegetation than urban gardens. The exceptions are birds like house sparrow, rock pigeon, spotted dove, uh, barbary dove, greenfinch. They they are more common in urban gardens, and I think that's because people are are feeding seeds and bread to the birds more in urban gardens.
1: Now you mentioned that your original motivation for starting the garden bird survey was to get a sense of population trends. How's that work going?
2: Well, we've now got nine years of data, and we're starting to see uh, trends in in some species, Um, but the analysis is still ongoing, and we hope that um, probably after the end of this year's uh, survey, we'll have 10 years of data, we'll be able to get the the analysis completed and perhaps have uh, something to tell you early next year.
1: Thanks, Eric, and welcome back to my garden bird survey, where the tui has fallen silent but just as i'm talking to you i see a black-backed gull flying past and a blackbird hopping around on my neighbour's lawn i think i'm allowed to count that and the flock of sparrows that i had on the tree that i thought numbered about 8 has swelled in numbers to at least 12 Now before I came out today, I checked in on the Facebook page and there's quite an active community on the New Zealand Garden Bird Survey Facebook page and a whole lot of really interesting resources. So to go and find out more about those, let's catch up with Katrina McLeod from Landcare Research and find out what she's doing with all the data.
3: We've become involved with the Garden Bird Survey because we're working on a bigger project, interested in working out how to make indicators accessible to people and useful to people. Indicators, explain those to me. (laughs) Okay, well indicators are information that tells us about the environment that we're living in and it's like data that we use to tell us is there a problem in the environment or are we being successful with the management that we're trying to do?
1: If things are going wrong and...
3: And if they're going well as well. Excellent. So an
1: indicator species then is really... One species that gives you an insight into the bigger picture of what's going on.
3: Yeah, that's right. Because the bigger
1: picture is really complicated. That's right.
3: (laughs) And we don't have the time and the resources to get out there and and manage all of that. And so because um, where birds sit in the food chain, they actually tell us a whole story about what's happening across that wider environment that we live in because they're feeding on insects and seeds and the fruit in that environment. And so, yeah, they give us a a short, sharp way of trying to get a handle on what's happening within the environment.
1: So, birds are good from your point of view, and they're also good from the public's point of view because this is a citizen science project and people are interested in birds.
3: Yeah, well, that's certainly come out in our discussions with people taking part in the survey. And beyond that, people involved in other bird projects as well, as they basically keep telling us, you know, birds really enrich our lives and um, we enjoy seeing them every day. And we enjoy the species that we encounter every day as much as we appreciate those endemic species that are threatened in New Zealand as well and recognise the value of them. So what are some of the things you've
1: been doing? I know you have a Facebook page, and I know that because I happen to follow it, so
3: what (laughs) have have you been doing there? Well, the idea behind that was that every year, Eric would get stories from participants and photographs from participants really excited about the birds in their garden, in their local environment, and they wanted to share that. I guess the, the real advantage of social media is it allows us to connect multiple people in their own time and space and that's really been the beauty of the Facebook group is allowing participants to have a conversation amongst themselves and we're really impressed at how the Facebook group's taken off. It's been running for just over a year now. We've got 1,300 people in there. They've shared 3,000 photographs and it's really become a hub of learning and, and social interaction.
1: And you've been sharing with them too some information. So talk me through some of the things you've been doing Drilling down into actually what has been coming up in the survey over the last nine years, you know what kind of things you've been finding, and and how are you going about sharing that?
3: This year, I guess, the focus has almost been on a bit of a garden bird survey atlas, so to speak. (laughs) So we've been building um, maps that show the story of 16 different species that are commonly found in gardens around New Zealand. Can we have a quick look at one of those?
1: Let's pull up tui, because we both know that tui are really popular birds.
3: Okay, 2,000 people took part in a questionnaire recently and told us that this was their favorite garden bird (laughs) by far. Yeah, so basically the structure of the fact sheet is a few little quirky facts about the um, tui that you might not know about.
1: So Um, the male tui are 40% bigger than female tui. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah,
3: it who would have thought. And then we've got um, some of the different names that you might know tui by, and I think what's quite phenomenal for tui is that actually preferred Māori name is actually koko, not tui at all. And then there's a
1: wee map of where they are around the country, so Northland's a good spot for them, East Cape, Nelson, Tasman. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing for me is it says data from 25,872 gardens surveyed between 2007 and 2015. So in any one year, it's, it's plateaued at about 3,000 yeah, participants, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah, about
3: three or 4,000.
1: But, so, but over nine years, that adds up.
3: Yes, that's right. So we're slowly building a picture of bird life in New Zealand in gardens, and, well, in urban environments and rural environments that we previously didn't have access to that information, and that's thanks to the volunteers taking part the analogy i was thinking about is what we're trying to do is build a picture of bird life across new zealand right and if you think we all have a little piece of the jigsaw puzzle and if only a few of us put our objects or pieces on the table we don't get a very clear picture of what's happening We might get some inklings of a few birds here and there <laughs> but if everybody put their pieces on the table we'd have a very clear picture of what's happening and so that's um really why we want to encourage people to take part <laughs> and to encourage others to take part as well because the more people that take part the better the picture that we get and the more sensitive those indicators will be to change which means that we can respond more quickly to change and investigate it and respond to it and make sure that we're dealing with any problems but also it means that we can celebrate the successes that we see in an environment and be sure what we are doing at the moment is appropriate and resulting and the outcomes that we're looking for
1: thanks katrina meanwhile my garden bird survey is coming to an end so how did my garden tally go well i think i've got a very average garden i got 12 house sparrows five starlings two tui a chaffinch a blackbird and a southern blackback gull not bad Many thanks to Eric Spur and Katrina Macleod from Landcare Research. The Garden Bird Survey runs from June the twenty-fifth to July the third, and you'll find a link to their website and Facebook page on our webpage rnz.co.nz/slash/our-changing-world. That's all for now, but you can stay in touch with us on Twitter at rnz_science. Kia ora mai.